Welcome to the Nine Brawl Podcast, where we tackle daily life challenges and apply God's word to illuminate and preserve his truth while leading others to salvation through Christ Jesus. Let's join your hosts. This is Jeff Anthony and Sean Campbell. And we have a special guest today. Hi, I'm Ryan Cook. And uh, we want to welcome you to our uh, first discussion uh, over the Christian sexuality uh, discussion course that we're doing uh, this semester. So today we're going to get into uh, the the first uh, session, uh, which is God created you. We're going to go ahead and go through uh, video one. That's what we discussed in class. We're not going to rush through these videos. We're going to take our time, make sure that we have a really good dialogue and discussion. We want to ensure that any discussion that we have, that um, we understand we're not doing apologetics, that we're honestly having earnest conversations and hearing each other out, seeing each other's views, and then verifying what we hear uh, to God's word. Um, so we're going to go ahead and play the uh, the video uh, so we can uh, analyze what what today's topic is. Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Will. And I'm Monica. And we are going to be y'all's hosts in this conversation on Christian sexuality. We want to say up front that we're going to be super honest and vulnerable yeah. with you all about topics that Christians oftentimes shy away from. That's right. In the past and still today, some Christians get weirded out when they talk about sexuality. And maybe you feel a little bit awkward about the subject we're about to dive into. But we believe it is healthy and important for you to hear about how your creator made you, your desires, and your body. Yeah, we're going to go deep with a lot of topics and we're not going to avoid the hard questions or even the embarrassing ones. But before we talk about sexuality, there's something that's even more important for us to understand. It's so key that we simply can't go on without you hearing it. Can I tell them? Can I tell them? I really want to tell them. I was going to tell them. Okay, you can tell. tell, Okay, okay, I can tell them. Here it is. God loves you. Say it again for the people in the back. God loves you. Yes, let's go. God loves you. You might say, well, I already know that. But God's love for you is an essential truth to understand before we dive into Christian sexuality. He made each of you. He fully knows you and he sent his son to die for each and every one of you. He loves you more than you will ever know. For those of you who have watched porn or slept with your boyfriend or girlfriend or think of sexual things that you would never say out loud, guess what? God knows all of that and he absolutely loves you. He doesn't delight in our sin, but he delights in us even when we sin. Man, Jeff, that's kind of hard to hear for me. Um, how does Jesus loves me when I'm sinning? Like, I, I just, I still don't understand how that, how that works. I mean, what does it, what does it feel like to you when somebody says, Hey, Jesus loves you. Um, so in class, uh, I discussed the kind of relationship I had with my parents. Um, we had a mutual agreement that we didn't like each other. So to try to comprehend what love is, it is, it is hard. So you're right. What does, what does it mean by Jesus loves you, Ryan? And so I, let me dive in with a, with a quote from uh, Tim Keller, and then we'll take a look at Psalms for just a sec. Uh, Tim Keller 
wrote, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is what it is to be loved by God. Uh, and you say, okay, what do you mean fully known? Uh, and you jump into Psalms 139 and starting in verse 13, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And so if you truly believe that everything in the universe was created by God, then you're saying you believe you were created by God. If you're saying you were created by God and we believe in a God that uh, knows all and sees all and is everywhere, then knowing everything about uh, who you are and how you were made and what you've done, he fully knows you. And in that, he still loves you. He doesn't reject you. And so if you, if you try to deflect and you say, you know, well, so-and-so likes me, but if they know what I really did, uh, or, you know, they say that now, but when they find out that I used to, then you'll never really experience that fully loved. But God does know, and so God fully loves. Knowing everything that you were going to do wrong, knowing everything that uh, in every way you were going to mess up over the course of your life, but still loving you, God sent Jesus to die for you, to have an opportunity for you to join the Father in heaven, uh, to rejoice and celebrate eternally with him. That's uh, the tip of the iceberg on uh, God loves you. Uh, and, and I think diving into that, you really have to take a look at understanding your identity in Christ, your identity and understanding who God called you to be. Um, and that identity is a, is a foundational bedrock level thing that we've got to figure out because if you, if you make things like your job or your hobbies, your identity, you're just setting yourself up for failure. That's not the root of who God made you to be. It's a part of it, but it's not, it's not the core of you are a child of God. So what's the, so I said a lot there. But what's what's your take on that? What was said in class on that? So, Ryan, what you said just I mentioned in class today that when after I met Stacy, um, you know, I had been through just hell, like for so many years that just rejected was addicted to sin, addicted to anger and. I remember standing, standing outside in the freezing cold at a payphone, having conversation after conversation with Stacy, saying, so when I was seven, I did this. And when I was 10, I did this. And I've got to tell you all these things because all these people in my life up to this point rejected me because of what I did when I was seven and when I was 10. And oh, yeah, by the way, when I was 13, I did this. And, you know, last week I did this. And what Stacy continually showed me was that's not who you are. That's not where you are. Yes, those things happen to you. You did those things, but those things don't define you. And like I mentioned in class today, that 
it took somebody loving me like Jesus for me to understand that God could love me like that. Because I grew up in church and thought I was the only sinner in the place. And just 25 years of that left me broken and jaded. And so I wasn't trying to chase her away, but I needed to make sure that she couldn't come back and get me on the backside because she didn't find out about it. So I laid it all out ahead of time. And her response was just like that of God's. So what? That's part of your story, but that's not your root foundational identity. And so, you know, what are you going to do with it? What are you, how are you moving forward with that in your past? Right. Okay. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> she said it more gently than that, but that's basically <laughs> what it was is, okay, yeah, sure. You did all those things. That's not who you are, but that isn't who you're going to be. So put up or shut up basically is what she said. Now that isn't from scripture, but, but I think that's consistent with scripture because God calls us out of darkness into his glorious light. But I didn't want to come to the light unless I knew he wasn't going to smack me because that's what everybody else in my life did up to that point. And in my experience, right. I didn't, I didn't have someone show me what love was. You know, if there was someone that show me what God's love was. It was probably a denomination known as the Mormons, Latter-day Saints. And they showed the actual fruits of the spirit. You know, God used them in a tool as a tool to, to one, not to turn me over to my lust, to my sins, to the things that I wanted of this world. Right. Because the devil does such a, a great job of planting a deep-rooted seed, right? And he buries it in you. You know what? You know what, Jeff Anthony? Um, this thing that happened to you when you were four or five years old, it wasn't that other person's fault. It was actually yours. And since it was your fault, this person now is going to end up in hell because they did these things to you. But it's your fault. Now, try to you grasp those things at such a young age. And the mental where that it has on you that you try to block these things out right but then it's like well i see it happening to other people too so this is the way the world is this is really what it's about you know in my background in my in in, in my life i tell everybody i was a non-practicing catholic i showed up to catholic church but i was never there to hear anything and i wasn't taught to be in the word either it was kind of more like Here's what it is. Just believe what I'm telling. And uh, so I never had any real substance when it came to to those things. And as I went, as I went on in life, um, I because I was hurt, I started hurting other people. And that's where the my my parents were like, I don't know how to handle this. How do I handle this? Well, you know what? We have five other kids we need to worry about, and we have one bad egg. Well, that's just the way it's gonna go. So I felt abandoned. I felt abandoned, and I was like, okay. Um, and that's the way I lived. When, so when people are like, hey, you have someone who loves you, and you do all these awful things, right? And I, I brought up today in class, you know, being strung out on heroin, right? Uh, having this life, doing things. I'm, I couldn't even love myself, yeah. right? Because I'm a drug addict. I'm a fornicator. 
I'm a liar. I'm a thief. Right? How are you going to say If someone came into my life that was that way, they'd be like, cut the cord. I'm out of here. That, that's who you are versus showing the love that God had, right? God doesn't provide us, or I'm sorry, we don't provide God anything. God is God with or without us. When I when I got baptized, I literally cried and wept for two years because I couldn't grasp it. I couldn't grasp how a God, let alone a man, could love me um, in a way knowing the filth that was there because I was holding on to those things. And uh, something I said recently um, on our, in our Saturday group was, we should be shameless, but repentant. We should be able to talk about the things that we did when we find God's love. We're no longer identified by the things that we did in the past. You know? Yeah, because you, you, you know, like you said, from, from even age four on, you're hearing the voice of the accuser saying that, you know, these things that happen to you, they're your fault. And, you know, Sometimes the things in our past are our fault. Sometimes it's other people's fault. But it goes further than that into, and that disqualifies you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, now you are this scarlet letter. This is your whole I- This wound or this sin is your whole identity, and that disqualifies you from ever being considered a good person or worthy of love. You know, let alone you know somebody who's going to be welcome at church. <laughs> yeah, uh, and if you if you see those things as, you know, this wound is something that happened to me, this sin is something that I did, and yet it's not who I'm called to be, it's not who God made me to be, and God, knowing these wounds that have happened and these sins that I've committed, still chooses to love me anyway and wants better for me. That's one of the biggest struggles everyone has on how to how to wrap their brain around that, how to come to accept that what I've heard from the enemy all these years about how this disqualifies me really doesn't. And that's not, you know, the core of who I am, but, but it's how I've identified for so long. Well, you know, don't hold on to your mistakes just because you spent a long time making them, but uh, trying to separate what has happened, you know, in our temporal existence versus who God calls us to be eternally. I mean, uh, not to be flippant, but that's the trick. Yeah, that's that's all of it in establishing the first steps in really grasping and holding on to your Christianity, who God calls you to be, understanding God loves me and I'm saved. Any, If you try to put anything else in front of that without understanding that first, I mean, you know, you're building your house on sand, as it were. You're putting the cart in front of the horse. You're starting off from the wrong position. And it's not a question of if it will fail you. It's a question of when it will fail you. When you will get that false identity knocked out from under you to the point that the only place left to land is, I'm who God made me to be. And that's not, God did not make me to be condemned. God did not make me to just be a warning to others. But Ryan knows a lot of times that wasn't just the voice in my head. That was the voice from the church. The church told me 
I wasn't welcome. The church told me I couldn't get there. And it sounds like what you were saying this morning with Andy Minio's song, you know, the lies that you hear in sermons growing up. Like you've got to find clarity through that smoke that, you know, the church isn't always the voice of Jesus. And unfortunately, frequently they aren't. And that's a really hard thing to, to deal with. And it's not everywhere and it's not all the time, but that is the voice I heard growing up in from the church. You're not welcome here. You're not where you are your sin. Yeah. Um, before you go into that, I, I, I want to point out that, that that's very interesting because Hutt mentioned it today and he had mentioned it before, um, the quote from, uh, it was either B as in Bravo or P as in uh, Paul Manning, that the number one contributor to atheism is Christianity. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who yes. acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. Yeah. That is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is. And, and I think this is why when we talked on class, it was the part like, are you willing to introduce yourself as, hi, I'm Jeff Anthony, and I'm a son of God, right? What, what is carried with that? It, I mean, it's a, it's a very polarizing statement because a lot of people have, have church hurt. Uh, you know, I love Jesus, but his followers sometimes, good grief. Um, <laughs> you know, Amen. It, 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 <laughs> uh, and you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, Paul's right in Romans, we've all sinned and fallen short. You know, the church is full of hurt and broken people who sometimes uh, react uh, to others, you know, out of that pain and out of that judgment, out of that pride. Uh, and, you know, it's it's why you hear some people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to distance themselves from uh, some of the judgment and some of the wounds they've received from religious organizations. And they, you know, they want to be uh, a Christ follower. They want to, to know God. Their soul is crying out for that spiritual connection. Um, but occasionally, you know, hurt people hurt people. I, I know that's trite, uh, but, it's true. Uh, but it's true. And uh, the church is not immune. Uh, I think today being in Romans, right? uh, At the end of two, going into three, where Paul is talking to the Jewish people, right? And how we can relate to it now is like, oh, we're this elected group. Yeah. And how much we, um, I'm trying to stay in track. I'm not trying to go off track because my head's like, oh, hey, here's, (laughs) go over here. Um, Or we carry that and we carry that God forgives us to commit these, these, these sins against our own brothers and sisters, uh, you know. But the thing that stuck to me uh, today was that by doing that was the the blasphemy yeah. against God, right? And why it's important for us to really know our identity in Christ, so we don't do those things and com- commit blasphemy against our God. You know, because I think about uh, the Bible verse where it says, and when he's talking about the children, right? Uh, and, and in this context, he's talking about not just little children, he's talking about his children, because we're his children, right? 
that if anyone was to cause us to stumble, it is greater for you to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and dropped into the ocean. The ocean. <laughs> right? And have you ever sat back and imagined that? A millstone in those days was a minimum of 3,500 pounds. Yeah, so tie a, <laughs> tie a giant granite block around your neck and get tossed off the side of the ship. That's a horrible yeah. way to go. Yeah, imagine. But, it, but it's better for you to have that happen than for to cause a child of God to stumble. Yeah. That's a picture. Ouch. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, a picture. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, I want, I want to leave that there because we're going to end with the question uh, at the podcast, which I think is going to be relevant yeah. to, to this. So we're, we're going to leave that there for now and we'll put a pin on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we don't forget. Uh, but okay. yes, uh, but yes, definitely. Um, people do hurt people. Um, but to reconcile what it means for God to love us, right, is that despite those things, despite what we do, He still wants us at the end of the day. And uh, I came to understanding to to go back to the question you asked me what was the tipping point where you were able to accept God's love as reflecting in all the daily miracles that I ignored in my life to show me that he's real from moments where I should not be alive. Like there is no other explanation whatsoever to be like, wow, I see it now. I see it now because when we're, we're in something, we're so blinded by that situation yeah. that our human nature is like, I'm going to carry this by myself. I don't need anyone else. And that's it. There's a movie that I love, totally love. It's by Disney. It's called uh, Meet the Robinsons. Hmm. And uh, I call it the Michael Jacobian syndrome. And he's one of the characters, right? He's not the main character of the movie. And they're in an orphanage. He's His roommate is this super science geek creating these things. And Michael had this uh, baseball game, super important baseball game uh, that was coming up, I believe it was like for the championship. And uh, he was up all night because the science geek was over here creating this brain scanner because he's trying to find his mom that left him. Because he's like, oh, someone saw her. I saw her. I, I just, it's here. So he ends up going to the game and he falls asleep. And for that, it was his tipping moment to basically blame the whole entire world for things. Yeah, he misses the catch. They lose the game. Yeah. It's all his roommates' fault for keeping him up all night. Yeah. And uh, as he's living his life, right, he's and – I, and I can relate to Michael a lot. And this is how I reconciled with my parents. It was such a huge thing for me as I got into God's Word um, where people were like, hey, Michael, how's your day going? And he was just so focused, didn't hear nothing. Hey, you want to come over to uh, my birthday party? Kept walking. And as he got older, he, that's what he was saying. He's like, nobody loved me. Everything was blah, 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 right? Because we get so entrenched and we ha- hear the devil telling us, you're right. Nobody loves you. No one cares for you. So then you have your blinders on. And, you know, even though my, my parents and I had that mutual agreement, <laughs> right? And I, I know my parents tried to do the best that they could for me at that time. They didn't have a child like me before. It was the first time they were going through those things. I held them to a standard, to a standard I couldn't even hold for myself, right? Uh, but during all those things, God still provided, still provided and provided. Uh, that finally I understood, like, well, 
knowing that my life in my eyes sucked. My grandfather told me that I should not hate my dad because the way my dad treated me is 10 times better than the way he treated him. And I saw my grandfather as this so, oh, this guy is holy. This guy's everything, right? He's a saint. He's yeah. up on a pedestal. Yeah. And for him to tell me that and to reveal that was like such a, a big deal to me. And uh, I and it was hard. I sat down with my my parents came to visit me for my birthday. And just like we're sitting here, I go, hey, guys, uh, I have something to say. Like, I think you guys may have thought this or if not, I'm going to just outright tell you I hated you. <clears throat> and I go, and I don't mean like, oh, I was mad at you. Right. Like, I, I had this pure hate for you. I go, but even with that being said, I did a lot of things for the family, but the things I did weren't for you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine your kids telling you that? <laughs> I'd like to know if it was that was the case, you know. Just, yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> laid it all on the table. We don't yeah. need to have any skeletons or anything. Yeah. Like, right. God gives us just a small glimpse of what it is to be him. Yeah. That's literally what we do every single day of our life is we tell God we hate you. Yep. Right. But for them to hear it, and I saw that heartbreak in them, but I told them, I go, I want you to forgive me. I need you to forgive me because I was blinded to it. Everything that happened, I tried to blame you and I try to blame myself, but there was a greater force at work that was separating us. I go, if you don't forgive me, it's okay. I go, because I forgive you and I know that God forgives me, but I want you to know I love you. And it was a hard thing. And the only reason I can honestly tell them I love them is because I know there's a God out there that literally removed the scales from my eyes and gave me like his His spirit just giving me this hug. They'd be like, are you done with your tantrum? Are you done? I love you, son. I love you. And it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain, but it takes real faith, right? And um, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. I do believe faith comes with evidence, right? I'm with you. And those two years, God was revealing evidence, and that's why I wept. I wept because, like, what an idiot I was for not seeing it, that I was Michael Jacobian that whole entire time. Uh, uh, There's a... There's a lot of 2020 hindsight that, that I've experienced anytime I've had uh, a revelation from God about exactly how dumb I was being about something or how uh, mistaken I was in my understanding of something. And as as soon as I come to see it uh, through you know, how Scripture says it should be viewed or uh, understand the truth of the matter, not just you know how I saw it with my blinders on that day and having a bad day, you know, then he's faithful to, you know, looking back at it, show me all the, all the things that were impacted by how wrong I was and how, how right things could have gone, you know, prior to that point, if I had just not had that one, uh, that one flawed view that day uh, of that, whatever incident it happened to be. Uh, and so, yeah, and you and you see all the evidence, and it seems so clear, and you're wondering how you missed it for so long, uh, but you had blinders on uh, until the Holy Spirit was kind enough to, to help you take them off. Yeah. See you writing over there, Sean. Yeah. The... <laughs> so don't forget. 
what we want to close up with. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so identity. Um, the reason identity is such a, a thing we want to take our time is because no matter what the future discussions we bring up, our identity in Christ is what matters because it's what's going to help us to overcome these these issues, these topics, and to truly lay it at his feet. Because none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect, only he is. And it's at our weakest moments that he shines the most. Yeah. And, and you know, when I when they when I first looked at that video a couple of weeks ago, like even looking on the backside, I didn't really understand, you know, why we need to be worried about identity when we're gonna talk about sex. But just what you said right then is I know I was so wrapped up in sexual sin. And like we talked about that, my sin was my identity. But if I don't have an anchor point to something holy, something better than myself, there's no way I'm ever going to get sex right. Because otherwise, I'm still looking at me. I'm just looking at me. And, you know, in the army, you talk about navel gazing. You're just, you know, staring at your own gut because you don't see any way out. And I know I trapped myself there, but we wanted to start with this because if we don't have God as our reference point, then everything else is just self-centered disaster. There isn't a way out and there's no point in getting out if there isn't something outside ourselves that is perfect, that is holy, that loves you in the mess. And so... You, you understand that God is outside of you. God is bigger than you. And knowing everything about you, God loves you in the mess. And, and in that calls you to more, calls you to a relationship with him, calls you to a holiness that allows you a glimpse at seeing people as he sees them, seeing people through his eyes, seeing with that love and compassion. Um, and, and it's in those times when you're seeing through his eyes and not the eyes of the world where you'll be able to have somebody say something mean to you uh, or condemn you or reinforce that voice of doubt inside your head. And you say, it's OK. I, I see you're hurting. I see you're having a bad day. I understand you may not have it, have it all figured out. And, and I'm going to forgive you for that. I'm not going to take that comment to heart. That's not reflective of who God is truly created me to be, and I'm going to move on. And you shrug off that heavy blow. You shrug off that that weight of condemnation from the other party uh, looking to judge you uh, or, or injure you with their words. And it's from that sense of identity uh, in who God created you to be that, that allows you to understand your true vision, your true motivation, your true purpose for being here on this earth. Uh, and if, if it is, I'm a child of God and we're all, we're all kids and we all mess up sometimes and that's okay, then you're going to approach the world very differently than if you set your identity as, well, I'm a Pharisee, I'm a rule keeper. I have proved myself worthy of God's love. Ooh, there's a daring statement. Mm. Uh, and from, 
from me being able to prove myself worthy and, and to do the right thing all the time. I'm going to judge you for not doing the right thing all the time. Uh, I'm going to judge other people for how they act and how they fail because I see myself as nothing more than upright and righteous and, uh, you know, look at my perfect church mask that I wear on Sundays. Uh, and that's where understanding the truth of your identity versus some false identities in being the perfect Christian or, you know, uh, being wrapped up in identifying by what you do for a living uh, or what kind of car you drive or, uh, you know, or how someone has hurt you in the past or clinging to the condemnation of a sin that you committed, you know, 10 years ago or 10 minutes before you walked in the building. Uh, understanding your true identity and resting in that changes everything about how you interact with the world from that point forward. And that's why, it's critical to set that as the main jumping off point, understanding your identity as someone who is fully known and fully loved by God. Yes. And Andy Minio said it best because we as people were a bunch of frauds. <laughs> only, only God is true, right? Yep. And man, men are liars. All your heroes are just frauds like me. Hey, absolutely. But the, and the only one that's true is God. There's a reason he said it, right? Yep. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way. Yes. The truth and the life. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Ryan for uh, taking time out of his day to join us as our first guest. And uh, thank you, gentlemen, we hope for to... inviting me. You've done an excellent job with this podcast, I think. Looking <laughs> forward to more. All right. Awesome. We look forward to having you again. We pray that you guys are safe. And we hope to see you next week. We truly love you and we're here to serve you. Go out, honor God, and uh, expand his kingdom. This concludes this week's podcast. Just remember, when the world tries to get you to backslide, all you got to say is, nah.